You're listening to The Thriving Nurse Podcast. I'm your host, Abby Sanchez, and this is episode 96. Do I ask too many questions? Welcome to The Thriving Nurse Podcast. This is the podcast for nurses who know that to take care of your patients and your family, first, you need to take care of yourself. If you're ready to create a balanced, beautiful, and bold life, you're in the right place. Hey there, my friends. Do I ask too many questions? Do you like that? You see what I did there? <laughs> I asked another question. That's what we're talking about today. We're talking about asking questions during our shift and that fear and that worry about if we're asking too many. Do you guys ever feel that way? I totally did as a new nurse. I remember being on shift and worrying, like having this question and sitting there at the nurse's station, holding it in for a while, being like, is it okay? Can I ask another question? I've already asked a few. Am I annoying? Are people going to be bothered by me? Is it okay to ask more questions? So if that's where you're at, if you're a new nurse, I have totally been there. I totally get that concern and that fear about asking questions. So I'm going to help you out with that today because now I see it a little bit differently. Okay. Now, I know when we ask this, a lot of times there's this drama that comes along with it, right? Like we wonder, am I asking too many questions because of what we make it mean about ourselves? We're like, am I not smart enough? Are other people asking the same amount of questions? Like if I started orientation the same time as this other person, do we ask about the same amount of questions? Because we think that that gives us an idea of where we're at. We use it to kind of gauge ourselves. Like, how am I doing? Are we asking about the same amount of questions, same kind of questions? We use it because we're wondering, what do our coworkers think of us? Do they think this is a good question? Do they think it's something I should already know? So there's all this drama mixed in with this question we ask ourselves. Am I asking too many questions? Now, I think this question is actually really interesting because we ask it as if there's a right answer. So is there like, if there's too many questions, then that means there's also just the right number of questions, or maybe there's asking not enough questions. So what would the answer be for you? If I were to ask you, what's the right number of questions during a shift? Could you give me a number for that? five questions, maybe seven, if they're really good ones. Or maybe it depends on how long you've been a nurse. Like we could pull up this graph that shows how long you've been a nurse on one axis and how many questions you're allowed to ask during your shift. And it would probably be this like gradual decline, right? So the longer you've been a nurse, the fewer questions you're allotted during your shift. Is that how it works? I hope that as I'm asking you this and you're thinking about it, you're thinking, of course not. So the way I see it is that how many questions we should ask during a shift, it's like asking how many breaths should I take during a day? Now we could calculate that out, right? Like if you think I'm supposed to take 16 breaths per minute, then however many minutes there are during a day, we could do that math and say, okay, in a day, you're supposed to take this many breaths. But that's not how it works, right? 
Because some days you need to breathe more. Maybe you go for a jog and you start breathing heavily and you need to take more breaths. Or maybe you're somewhere where you're in a higher altitude. Like I lived in Japan for a year. I've mentioned this on the podcast a few times, but I lived in Japan after I graduated with my bachelor's degree and I was an English teacher for a year. And while I was there, I had a friend who was really into hiking. Like every weekend he would go on tons of hikes. And while I was in Japan, he was like, I'm going to go and hike Mount Fuji. You should come with me. Let's go and hike Mount Fuji. It'd be an amazing experience. And so even though I'm not like a crazy hiker, I I enjoy hiking, but I don't go hiking all the time. I was like, you know what? I'm in Japan. I'm going to go hike Mount Fuji. So the way it works when you go to Mount Fuji, because it's a pretty tall mountain. It's about 12,000 feet tall, just over 12,000 feet. It's the tallest mountain in Japan. And when you go, you have to do it in stages or else you could get altitude sickness. So when I hiked it, at least we didn't hike the entire thing. I don't know, maybe you can hike it from the bottom. But what we did is you drive up about halfway And that's where it seemed like most people were starting from. You start from the halfway point and then you hike up to about 80%. And then at the 80% mark, you stay in a cabin overnight so you can acclimate. Now, it's also really nice because then if you stay overnight, then you can get an early start the next day and see it during sunrise, which is what we did, which was so beautiful. But the main reason you have to do it in these stages is because your body needs some time to adjust so you don't get altitude sickness. So I remember when we did this hike, we went up to the 80% point. We were staying in our cabin and I was in my sleeping bag trying to fall asleep. And I remember laying there panting. And it's not like I was exhausted. I wasn't expending any energy. I was just laying in my sleeping bag, but I had these really short, fast breaths, just kind of in and out really quick. And if I had been a nurse back then, I'm sure I would have counted my respirations out of curiosity, but I didn't back then. But it was just these really rapid, shallow breaths. And it was because that's what my body needed to do to take in the oxygen I needed and to let out the carbon dioxide. And that was how many breaths I needed to take that day. And so that's how I think about asking questions. There's no quota. Sometimes you're going to need to ask more and sometimes you're not going to need to, but however many questions you need, that's the right number. So I think this idea that there's a quota is just something we made up, right? A lot of us use it to try to judge where we're at, to compare ourselves to others, to try to think what other people are thinking of us. There's just a whole lot of drama mixed in with this question, do I ask too many questions? So I want to talk a little bit about that drama because I think what most of us make it mean when we ask a lot of questions is we think that means we're not smart. Now, we should know better, right? We've been told for years there's no such thing as a stupid question. Everybody tells you that, right? You've probably heard that since elementary school or even before then. But still, we don't really believe it. We're like, asking a lot of questions means you're not smart. 
So I want to just take a look at this belief that many of us have, that asking questions means you're not smart. You know who else asks a lot of questions? Lawyers. Oh my goodness, they ask a lot of questions. Have you watched any law shows? On the shows I've seen, they are firing questions away. It's like question after question to their clients, to all the witnesses. My goodness, those lawyers ask so many questions. They must not be very smart, right? If asking questions means you're not smart, then lawyers, they ask a ton of questions, not very smart. You know who else asks a lot of questions? Police officers and teachers. So we must have a lot of pretty unintelligent people doing a lot of important jobs. If that's what it means. If asking questions means you're not smart. Now you might say, well, it's different, right? Because a lawyer, they have to ask those questions to do their job, right? They have to fill in the gaps of their knowledge to really understand the situation. They might have to ask some clarifying questions to really make sure it's a clear picture of what happened. And, you know, police officers need to ask these questions to determine what they need to do next. Or teachers need to ask questions so they can understand, you know, how much are the kids understanding? Where do they need to focus their attention? Like, it's really important for them to ask these questions to do their job. But hang on. Rewind that and play it in your head again. It's really important for them to ask these questions to do their job. And that's exactly the same for you. You need to ask questions to fill in the gaps of your knowledge, whether it's about medications, whether it's about the patient's situation, whether it's about different policies, whether it's about how to do a task. It's no different than a lawyer. They're filling in gaps in their knowledge and you're filling in gaps in yours. You want to clarify things to make sure you're understanding it correctly, to determine what you should do next, to understand how you can best help people and be the most effective as a nurse. That's why you ask questions. It's the same exact reason that lawyers and police officers and teachers ask questions. And it doesn't mean that they're not smart, and it doesn't mean that you're not smart. And maybe actually asking lots of questions means you're super smart and you're doing your job really thoroughly. Okay, so I like to just question that idea that asking questions means we're not smart because if we really look at it, we're like, that actually doesn't make sense. A lot of really intelligent people ask a whole bunch of questions. So if you want to, during your shift, you can think of it that way. Like, I'm a lawyer or I'm a detective trying to fill in the gaps, trying to piece this all together. It doesn't mean anything about me. I can leave all that drama behind and I'm just going to do my job. I'm going to ask as many questions as I need to to do my job well. Okay? So instead of beating ourselves up for questions, I like to think, that's a really great question. That's an important question and I 100% should be asking it. But here's where I think we might want to play around a little bit. Not to say, should I ask the question or should I not? Like, for sure you should ask the question. They're important questions. But you could ask yourself, who should I ask this question to? Or where should I ask it? So 
I was thinking about the show Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. It's been a lot of years since I saw that show. I thought it was canceled years ago, but I just looked it up and it actually has only been off air for like a year or two. But I used to love watching Who Wants to Be a Millionaire back when I was maybe like 10 or 11 years old. That was kind of my family's show that we liked to watch after dinner when everyone was kind of like winding down, getting ready for bed. We would turn on the TV and I'd get, you know, a bowl of ice cream or some snacks and we'd go and sit and watch Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. So I'm sure most of you guys are familiar with that show, right? But basically it's just a series of questions that get progressively harder. And with each question you get right, you earn more money. And so as we would watch that show, we would all be making our guesses about what the right answer was. And, you know, being 10 years old, I knew basically none of the answers, but my dad was really good at it. My dad is like a Jeopardy genius and was so good at Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. We'd always be like, Dad, you need to go on this show. We could be millionaires. But unfortunately, he never did. But anyways, we would watch Who Wants to Be a Millionaire and... If you remember, there are three different lifelines you can use during the show. And that's how I want you to think about asking questions during your shift. Okay, so we're going to talk about what those different lifelines are if you don't remember them off the top of your head. So when I think I've got a question and I really want to get it right, right? like it's important for me to take care of my patients, to keep them safe, to get this question right, then who or where can I go to get the answer? So in Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, first, they ask themselves. They think through the question on their own. And a lot of times they talk through it out loud. They're like, you know, back when I was in middle school, I remember my teacher saying this one thing and we had this lesson about evolution and blah, blah, blah. And I learned this. And so they kind of like walk themselves through it and try to get the answer. And so that's where I want you to start as well. During your shift, when you've got a question, start with yourself. It's a great question. I'm going to ask myself this. What do I think the answer is? And see if you can reason through it or see how far you can get before you're like, huh, okay, now I'm a little bit stuck. But try to work through it on your own, okay? Now, that's not going to give you the answer all the time, right? And that's okay, We don't have to know everything. Even the people who win a million dollars on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, they don't know all the answers themselves. And you, as a nurse, definitely don't need to know all the answers yourself. So let's talk about our lifelines, okay? So in Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, they have the 50-50 lifeline, where the computer goes in and takes away two of the wrong answers. So for every question, they're given four possible answers, A, B, C, or D. And the computer will go in and it'll take away two of those that are incorrect. So it leaves one right answer and one wrong answer for them. Okay. Now, unfortunately, as nurses, we don't have some magical system like this that's going to take away half of the wrong answers in our mind. But we can go and find some more information that's going to help us get closer to the right answer. Okay, so that's where I want you to go next is to check out the chart, to look in policies, like where can you go, what systems are in place that you can utilize to find this answer. Okay, and so I think those are two of the big ones, looking in the chart, 
reading your patient's notes, reading the notes from the doctors, or looking up policies and procedures. And maybe by doing that, you can find the answer yourself. So again, it was a really great question you had, a really important question. Let's use a lifeline and go find that answer. Okay, so maybe you can use your 50-50, go to the chart or go to a policy and get closer to your answer or find the answer yourself. Now, the next one we might want to use is to pull the audience. This was always a fun one on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire because it shows everyone in the audience with their little clickers where they get to select on these little handheld devices what answer they think is right. So you'd, you know, see the cameras going through the audience and they'd be thinking about it and they'd click something and then it would pop up with the results and it'd be like 70% of the audience said B was the right answer and 20% said D and then the rest were split, right? So then the person would take that information, say, okay, most people, this is what they thought and they'd weigh it out in their mind and then make their decision. So that could be where you go next, is you could pull the audience. So what I mean by this is you can ask around your unit. You've got really knowledgeable people around you. You've got coworkers who maybe have been working longer than you or maybe who have worked on different units or in different specialties than you and just had different experiences and situations that have helped them gain a lot of knowledge. Or maybe they know how to find it in the chart or find whatever it is you need. So you can pull the audience. You can ask several coworkers or just one coworker or go to your charge nurse, but ask around, gather that information. And then remember, you are still responsible for that choice. So just like on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, you know, 70% could say the answer is D or whatever I said before, but... Sometimes the person in the hot seat, the person who was playing the game, would say, you know what, I know 70% is saying D, but I feel really strongly it's C. So I'm going to go with this one because of this reasoning I have. So you can pull the audience, you can use your other resources, the chart, the policies, all of that to form your answer and go from there, okay? Now let's talk about the last lifeline. The last one is to phone a friend. So on the show, when someone chose to phone a friend, they'd always be like, oh, I know who has the answer to this one. It's my friend from back in college who was such an expert on this period of artwork or whatever the random subject was, right? They'd be like, oh, I have this friend who is really knowledgeable about this one specific thing. And so they would call up the person, they'd get that friend on the phone, and they'd have like a minute to read them the question as fast as they could and be like, here are the different answers. What do you think? And then the person could give them an answer and that would really help them, you know, build up their confidence be like, okay, yep, this is what my friend said. I'm going with it. Now, this lifeline, a lot of people would save until the end. This was like their golden lifeline that they didn't want to use up right away. 
polling the audience. They would use pretty early on in the game. 50-50 they would use sometimes, especially like in conjunction with some of these other lifelines. But phoning a friend was kind of like that special one where it's like, I'm going to hold on to this because I want to make sure that I use it for a question that needs to go to an expert. So I want you to think of this one like calling the doctor. And here's the good news, you guys, is in the game, they could only use these lifelines once. We can use them as many times as we want to during our shift. So I'm not saying that you can only call the doctor once during your shift, but we want to use those other lifelines first, right? And then we can call the doctor if we feel like, you know, this is something really important. This is my million dollar question. I really want to make sure I get it right. I don't have time for those other things. This is really important and urgent. I'm going to use this lifeline. I'm going to call the doctor. I'm going to get that expert opinion. Okay, so that's another really amazing resource. So again, I want to reiterate, it's so much better than Who Wants to Be a Millionaire because you get these lifelines an unlimited amount. So just like you can ask as many questions as you want to during your shift, you have these lifelines as much as you want to use them during your shift. But that's kind of the order I suggest you go. So first, ask yourself, think through it on your own, see how far you can reason through it. Where does your clinical reasoning take you? What connections can you make on your own? Because that's going to help you as you start the conversation or where to take off on the next step. Okay, so first start with yourself. Second, see if you can find the answer in the chart or in procedures and policies. Third, try polling the audience. Ask some of your staff members after you've done those other things, right? Because that's going to help you jump in to the conversation from a more knowledgeable standpoint. And you can talk to them and reason through it with them. Then it's more of a collaboration. Then you're not just going to them saying, give me the answer. It's like, okay, here's what I'm thinking. This is what I found. This is where I was, you know, getting stuck and falling short. What do you think? And pull the audience from there. Go to your staff and your charge nurse from there. And then for those questions that you really need some extra help with, that you really need an expert, phone a friend, call the doctor, page the doctor, get their opinion on it. Okay? So I want to remind you guys that there is no question quota, but the right number of questions is however many it takes to do your job well. That's the perfect number of questions. And asking questions doesn't mean you're not smart. It can actually be the smartest thing you do all shift. So ask away, my friends. Let's leave that drama behind. And speaking of asking questions, what questions do you guys have for me? So next week, I'm going to be hosting a public coaching call where you can bring me any questions you have. Now I'm talking different questions than we talked about throughout this episode, right? In this episode, we're talking questions like, how do I insert an NG tube? Or how do I give blood safely? Those kinds of questions are what you're going to be asking during your shift. But I want you to bring me the questions that are keeping you stuck in your life. So these could be questions nursing related, or it could be something about things going on in your personal life. But I want to coach you through it. I want to help you overcome these challenges and get unstuck. So 
how this call is going to work is it's a live public coaching call where you can come and bring me any question. You can just type it into the Q&A, ask me your question there, and I'll coach you through it. Or if you don't have questions for me, you can just come and listen in as I coach other people. Okay, but we're going to talk about all kinds of things. So just to give you some ideas of the kinds of things I coach on, I went back through our last coaching calls in Bold Nurse Society and pulled out some of the things that we talked about on those. So these aren't the questions I'm going to be addressing on this public coaching call, but these are the things that get brought up and the kinds of things you can bring to me on this coaching call. So I recently coached someone. They said, you know, I don't want my coworkers to dread getting report from me. But sometimes when I'm giving a report, I can tell my coworker thinks I should have gotten certain tasks done and they're kind of judging me or feeling stressed out. So how can I give report in a way where I can still feel confident and feel good about myself and not worry so much? Okay, so that could be a question you have. I had someone ask about their husband who they said he's been really stressed about work. And she was saying, you know, his stress stresses me out. And I feel like Because he's so stressed, I can't ask him to help out around the house because I don't want to put more on his plate. So she was asking, you know, how to navigate that situation. I had someone recently get coached about looking for a nursing job. They had been away from nursing for several years, but the jobs they had had previously, they felt like weren't a good fit. And so they're like, I'm worried that I'm going to choose the wrong job again. So maybe you feel that way. Maybe you're looking for a job. Or maybe you're in a job and you're like, I don't know if this job's a good fit for me. I don't know how to find the right nursing job, something that will be more fulfilling. And then I had someone recently talk about, you know, feeling really stressed about the pandemic. And they said because of that stress, they feel like they've been a lot more negative in their life and they've felt more worked up about things that really shouldn't be a big deal. And it's been impacting their job and their marriage. And so they were just wanting some help managing that stress and overwhelm. So really, you can bring anything. It could be, again, about nursing, something going on in your job, in your work relationships, managing stress or anxiety, being a new nurse, taking on a new role, or it could be something not nursing related at all, something about your marriage or your kids or a goal that you're pursuing. So anything goes, No questions too big or too small. You can bring me any question you have, or you can just come and listen in as I coach other people through their situations because hearing other people get coached is so incredibly powerful because you're going to be able to make that application to your life as well. So this is something I want to do for you guys because I know that a lot of people haven't experienced coaching before, and so I want to give you that opportunity. So come, hang out with me, bring your questions, and let's do some coaching. The other thing we're going to do on this call is I'm going to teach you the main coaching tool we use in Bold Nurse Society. This literally, you guys, is the most useful thing I know. And it's so easy to understand and start using in your life right away, but it is so incredibly valuable and it's so profound. Like the more I've been studying it for this tool for years now, and I'm always learning new things and finding new ways to apply it. So I'm so excited to share this with you guys. It is the most useful thing I could teach anybody. And I'm going to be teaching it to you guys on this live public coaching call. 
So this call is totally free. You can register at thrivingnurse.com forward slash webinar. Just sign up, grab your spot, and I'll email you the link to our Zoom call where you can come hang out and we'll have an amazing time. So I'm really excited about it. Can't wait to see you there. Go grab your spot at thrivingnurse.com forward slash webinar. All right, my friends, I can't wait to hear your questions. Keep asking questions during your shifts and bring me all your questions that you're getting stuck on in your life. I can't wait to help you out with it. All right, have a beautiful week. I'll talk to you soon. Take care. Take care.